Welcome back to Start From Chatter. I'm Michaela, one of your hosts. And today in studio with me, we have... Vilnali Niemand. And George Onka. <laughs> Great. Today we're talking about our experiences with gender identity and sexuality as pre-service teachers in schools. For this conversation, we have our enthusiastic guests, Emma and Roji. Please introduce yourselves to our listeners. Hi, I'm Emma. I'm a third year foundation-based student and I am exceptionally passionate about governance. During all my time at Stellenbosch so far, I have been involved in positional leadership as well as opening a conversation about being a queer human at a university like Stellenbosch. Hi everyone, thank you for inviting me to be on the podcast. I'm Roji Ramji. I'm a third year intermediate French student and I'm from Strand. I'm currently not part of any leadership um, roles. But yeah, I have a passion for teaching, I love children, and I just want to have a big influence on, on the learners out there, just being that father figure that most of them don't have. Okay, great. Thank you so much, guys. I'm really excited to have this conversation with y'all. So before we jump into our dynamic and very, obviously, necessary conversation, I just wanted to preface with a reminder for all of us to be very open-minded and to actively try to understand each other's points because we're all learning in this process. We're all learning terminology and we're just learning ways to expand our minds further. So, Vilnali, will you ask our first question? Yes, I'm, I'm going to point that one to Roji. So, have you ever experienced learners in the queer community as a pre-service teacher during your practicals? Oh, yes, I definitely have. In fact, I experienced it this year during my practicals. Um, yeah, like I've, I've seen a, a, a girl acting or, or that that's like a boy and I've seen teachers like telling her, so when you and then and then they would they point to me and they were like, yeah, and I'm just like, then I look at this learner and she doesn't look looks happy at all, but she smiles, you know, because everyone is laughing at it because it's a norm with how the teachers speak about it and about her just being this tomboy. So, yeah, I've definitely experienced it and I can definitely see how these comments that we make to these learners, when looking at it, I could see, you know, just because of the way the teacher spoke to her and spoke about her and make mm-hmm. it so comfortably to point at me, the new person in the mm-hmm. room yeah. and be like, look at this, like, I saw like this, this over the weekend and like, it could really be very detrimental to them, you know, even though they might, might be smiling, but I could see the hurt in, 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 the, in, the, yeah. in that learner's eyes. Yeah, yeah I've definitely come across that before. Yeah, Emma, what, what's your take on this question and what Roji said? Sure, so I can definitely imagine seeing that kind of scenario that Roji mentioned play out. Um, in the foundation phase, it's a little bit different where kids are significantly younger. But something that has struck a chord with me, and this happened in my first practical, I was in a grade three classroom and this little girl was asking me a little bit about my personal life and I'm not going to hide it. And I said, oh yes, I have a girlfriend. And she kind of looked at me and she was like, what? I didn't know that was a girlfriend. I have a girlfriend too? Great. And after that, she was so tough. And I think a week later, she came to me and she was like, Miss what? Can I tell you? I have a girlfriend now too. And just so cute. her expression in that was so heartwarming. Yeah, no, I agree. George, you have quite a scenario that you want to tell us about. So, yeah, hi. Um, last year, I was at a school that was very like dead in the sense of an Afrikaans Christian community. So scenarios like this is not that common, again, where 
that area and, and, and obviously myself as well. And I never grew up with the knowledge about these things. So I do apologize if I offend anyone with the terminology that I use. Um, but in this school context, there was never a mention of something like this. We have like trans people. Like I never knew what that was until I was about probably 17, 18. So I was wondering, do you think there are social, I almost want to say, do you think that people around the children influence the children's decisions when it comes to things like this? Or do you think it's like up to you alone? Or do you think it's like something that happens naturally that you just decide? Or is it like a, a thing that you like go in and think about and it's like, oh, but I'm not this, I feel like this. So I want to touch on something that you said there, George, about it being like a decision you make or is it kind of natural? I think just in my experience, at least, where I came out significantly later than a lot of my peers at school did, what I saw from the experience I had was that if it was accepted and if it was told that it's okay and that's who you are and it's natural, then that kind of culture creation really helps you to understand that it's it's not a decision you make. It's simply part of who you are and how you choose to express that is kind of the, the decision more, if I can point it like that. What I noticed when I was at school is it's a big socialization process. Gender and identity is not as easy to be a part of the queer community from what I've seen at school. And I say this because one of the, the girls in my class, she's so amazing. She's like 12 years old. And she was telling me that she's still figuring out her identity, right? Her gender identity, leave sexual identity, like just her gender, her decision there. And what was, was interesting is that she's trying to figure it out at the age of 12, which was crazy because at the age of 12, I didn't even know what these words mean. I'm gonna be honest, I was like confused. And what was, was frustrating for me is the fact that she's trying. And I always, I, I, I always say this to people who are figuring it out, like there's no pressure to find a title. There's no pressure to find an identifier. Like you can work through the process because gender and sexuality can be fluid in these senses, right? And this young girl is being bullied because she's being perceived as gay, but she knows she's not just gay. And I'm like, you're 12. This is crazy. Like how, how do we as teachers like even facilitate this sort of understanding, growing and developing in a space when someone doesn't even, can't even figure themselves out first, but society and the culture prevalent in schools is pressuring. Do you know what I mean? So I just threw that out for a contextual anecdotal story that we can chat about. But am I really, I really liked what you said when you said, you know what, I came out later than my friends in school. And I think it wasn't just about you deciding the time, but it was also that socialization playing in. So yeah, Roji, please, what, we, what are you thinking? Yeah, no, I definitely think the socialization plays a very big factor in, in the decision-making of in, in deciding what identity certain learners are. I mean, like, we just look at it, we as teachers and, and, and as, as those um, parental figures in schools, we play a massive influence on these learners. And sometimes they just look at us and the way we address them will, will make them feel a certain way, you know, because they look up to this person and, and this teacher. So as a teacher, I think it's also important to understand your learners and maybe individually try, try to know who they are. And like as a Christian teacher, like I'm a Christian and I have my values, you know, for me, I just know like approaching them in a way that I can have this neutral, this neutral feel to them and then tell them like, look, yeah, this is like, this is me. And then who are you, you know, and then I'll accept them for who they are, you know, and this treat them with that love and kindness, you know, um, I think that indoctrinating mindset of people being like, look, yeah, this is you, this is that you should be like this, or I see you like this. So I'm going to address you like this. It can very much influence that child's way of how they want to have feel themselves. 
Yeah, yeah. I actually want wanted to say that I think as a teacher you are you are not there to to tell them what's right and wrong. You are there to accept them the way they are and being the role model in the class for the other learners to accept them as well. Because as Michaela said, the girl was bullied. So for us as teachers, just put out it that we accept you and we we will accept you whatever you choose. We will still love you the way you are. Yeah, because it's very detrimental and just like telling, showing that learner that you aren't that person that she can come to or he can come to. Because as a teacher, you have to be that, that person where they can feel comfortable coming to, you know. And when they don't get that between their friends, teachers should be the one that they should come to. I mean, they are in our classes most of the day. We know them sometimes more than their own parents, you know, because like, yeah. we literally see a different side of them. We definitely have a massive influence on these learners and it's important to not be a discriminating factor to that learner when it's already coming from the peers. With regards to the school that I mentioned a little bit earlier, I was actually confronted with a scenario and I would actually like you to, to maybe give a little bit input on this. Growing up with my dad and my mum, I wasn't exposed to all of these new terms and stuff that I know now, obviously. And when I went to the school, which is in, again, a very Afrikaans Christian community, there was this biological male boy that wore a dress, right, at school. He wasn't bullied or she wasn't bullied or anything, but I found it different than what I'm used to. And to be honest, I didn't know what to do. So we had athletics the one day and the girl then came up to me and she's like, hey, but where should I stand? And now I need to question myself as a teacher then, or student teacher then as to, hey, but where do I put this child now? Like, do I tell them, hey, but go to this group or go to that group? Or you decide. But the nice thing for me was no one forced their child to do anything. It was still up to them. So they chose. And I asked her then, um, how do you feel? Like, do you want to participate with this group? Or do you want to participate with that group? Or possibly even both? And she just looked at me and said, I don't know. In that scenario, I felt confused because I didn't know what to do. So Emma, if, if you were put in that situation, again, you don't want to hurt the child's feelings and make them feel as if they are not heard and neglected, but you also obviously don't want to lose yourself and your own train of thought. So what would you have said slash done in that scenario? Thanks, George. So I think in that scenario, I would have really given that learner a chance to speak about how they were feeling in that moment because and I think Michaela touched on this earlier but that kind of gender representation and discovery needs to be celebrated as something that's fluid because if you start telling that child okay but you have to pick and this needs to be something that you do and it's a once-off decision then that's only going to box that learner so in that scenario I would have said okay but how are you how are you feeling in terms of your identification Today, are you feeling more comfortable oh, yes. with the boys or are you feeling more comfortable with the girls specifically today? And then just in learning from that experience, I would then start to be posing questions to my colleagues and to the staff at the school to perhaps unpack why we are only grouping kids by their mm. genders and by those representations so because it's a further responsibility. And I, I really want to share this because I think it touches on here. When we speak about that responsibility, we need to speak about representation. Just the other day, a friend of mine shared this TikTok about a book, and I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher the name, but it goes along the lines of "My Shadow Is Pink." The book kind of unfolds where all males have blue shadows and all females have pink shadows, but now this little boy is confused because he has a pink shadow, and that brings me back to us teachers bearing the responsibility to kind of share those conversations and open those dialogues. 
Um, I hope I answered that. I just want to add on to what you said. And I think it really gets so confused at the concept of like why society pushes defined gender stereotypes. Why is there two binaries only? Why? Why do we push this agenda so deeply? And Roji, I know you, you, you had, I want you to tell us about this lesson that you taught uh, on gender stereotypes, because I think gender stereotype plays into gender identity and, and sexuality very well. Please, please tell me some, some more about that. Yeah, I planned this lesson for gender stereotyping for life skills. And the textbook was telling me, okay, this gender stereotypes is wrong. And this is how you should teach the learners about it. And I'm just like planning my lesson towards gender stereotypes being wrong. And when I started my lesson, everyone, most of the class were for the gender stereotypes. Now I have to change my lesson up because most of the learners are for the gender stereotypes, you know. And I had to realize in the community, it's a colored community. And this was grade five, grade six, grade six. Oh, okay. Six. Yeah. So, so I just had to realize, okay, it's, 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 I understand the community. I come from a community like that. And comments like, say some messy, say some and say some man who can't say so, and you know, those stereotypes, like it's, it's common, you know. I'm a Christian and I have my values to an extent. I agree with the two binaries. But I'm just looking at this at this classroom and, and I could see the, the, the learners that are on the homosexual side. And I'm just looking at this and I'm like, okay, so now I have to open this space, you know. And then I reminded them of the lesson that I did with them previously on building a nation together, where we have to accept each other's cultures. And they were very, they, they loved that lesson. And they were, they agreed with me and like how we should accept different cultures in order to build a nation. And then I was like, okay, so this is a space where we're going to share each other's opinions and I also had to like try and encourage the learners to be comfortable with sharing their opinions, you know, because there was learners that was like agreeing with the stereotypes, but they didn't air out their feelings. They didn't air out their opinions and didn't, they, they felt a bit like withdrawn, you know. So immediately I knew they don't understand what they are doing. They don't understand because they're just going with the flow. You know, they're just following what the elderly are, are saying and what the teachers, especially the teachers in that school is, is saying and telling them. I reminded them of the of a democracy that we live in and that we can speak and air out uh, anything that we that we feel and opinions that we have on our heart. And then the girl that I just spoke about earlier, she she aired out on how she feels like how she feels when these gender stereotypes are being pointed at her. And the class could immediately see how she felt. And I could just make it a big thing where I told the class, just look at what these stereotypes do to your friend. And you might have not known this, but yeah, you know, so I could just like speak to them about you might have an opinion and you might have values or whatever, but it's just how you act on that and how you portray that to the one next to you because it can be detrimental to you. No, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. And I really just want to reiterate that it comes back to the socialization. Emma, I saw that you, you had a burning thing you want to tell, tell us. I did. So I picked up something that you said there, Roji, about kind of going with the flow. And um, it triggered something that I saw at the same girls' school that I mentioned earlier, where a more senior student, or learner at least, was speaking about why they had a social construct on their bathrooms. And she just wanted to know if it wasn't possible that they could take off the little like feminine icon figure, whatever, and have something that was more inclusive of it just being a bathroom because mm. she felt that that social construct was limiting her peers expression of themselves. And that was the first time I really thought about social constructs like that and what it's doing to our learners. I was actually at a school um, this year um, during our third term practicum. You mentioned now about the whole sign little thing about the bathrooms. I do feel that 90% of schools are still going to do that. But the school that I went to 
actually thought about things that are a little bit beyond what you see every day. In the sense that they saw that some parents are open to this whole idea of having a unisex bathroom. And obviously, a lot of the other parents weren't comfortable with that because... As an example, if I have a boy and I'm, I raise him a certain way, I'm not going to be comfortable with him going to, a, I'm going to say now, a girl's bathroom. So what they did was they actually made a third block, essentially, which was near the offices. So they had still the boy and the girl sign above the bathrooms and then have a third bathroom, but it's not one huge place. It's like four or five doors that are next to each other. So it doesn't matter what you wanted to do, you can just go in there. So you're not confronted with this, hey, but here's a boy now and I'm not comfortable with him being in here. Which is actually preferable. I mean, if you think about it, the thing that I don't agree with though is having a unisex bathroom because me as a Christian person and having certain values, I'm not going to be comfortable with certain scenarios. But I do ever think that this case that they had where they have the toilet separate to anything else was actually a very good idea. In fact, we actually had a, a, a biological male boy come up to me and ask, hey, but would it be fine if I used that bathroom? And oh, I actually said to him, it doesn't matter. You can just go. You don't need to ask me for anything. Just you be you. So I, I think that was very inclusive for the children specifically saying, hey, but you know, you have the space. You don't need to feel like you need to decide now, oh, well, blue or pink. You can just go there. It's a neutral space. And I think that's very important for schools specifically, simply because of the fact that you need to open up children's ideas around these things. Not necessarily tell them this is right, this is wrong, but just have them experience this and say, hey, but you know what, why is it considered wrong if someone goes to that bathroom now? And in the classroom that I actually was, we had a conversation because the, we had another student teacher that was next door. And one of the boys asked me, hey, but is, is this a gay? And I said, why does it matter? Why does it bother you what his sexual preference is? Um, and obviously, curiosity killed the cat. And we had a little conversation about it. But I wanted them to feel comfortable talking about these things because it doesn't get talked about in schools in the first place. There's this other person, I'm not sure who he was on the podcast with, and I know a lot of people don't like him, but Jordan Peterson had a question and he asked, what does it mean to be, or how do you define male slash female? What does it mean to you? Because I can think something and Michaela can think something and it might be two completely different things. So he opened this up. I have to lie if I say it to you now, but they had this conversation around what, what makes me a male and how does my definition of a male differ from, say, Roji's or whatever. If I see a boy's sign, does that mean I'm biological male or does it mean I identify as a male? I hear you, yeah. I, I just want to come back on a, on a slightly lighter note. It was very interesting experiencing my teaching practice because um, just touching on what George says, you know, like, the kids have lots of questions about the teachers and the student teachers. Oh, why does she have a short haircut? Oh, but you, why are you wearing a dress? You know, so that was like a very interesting chat for me as well. And kids get very curious. But what I, what I appreciate is, and what I found really interesting is trying to open up safe spaces for them to feel free to express their sexuality and gender identity with me. Do you know what I mean? Like, so many kids are coming up to me. So, ma'am, do you have a girlfriend? I was like, I don't. I'm really sorry. And they're like, well, I do. And I said, what must I clap? Because what do you want me to say? Do you want me to like, being that, that safe space for the kids where you allow them to think beyond themselves. Do you know what I mean? Like, and think beyond me. I would feel so touched when someone would come up to me and come out to me as being like, ma'am, I'm gay. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's great. Like, I didn't see that coming, but thank you. And 
They're like, no one else knows. Not my friends and not my, not my parents. And I think that is such a, like I felt so nice about myself. I said, wow, you felt nice to say that to my face. You came out to me as the first person and I've known you for what, like five weeks? Be real. Like that was so, like that's so cute, right? Like I just wish that I would have had teachers to pull out these things from me. Do you know, like they gave you the space to explore, but also gave you the space to say, say what you want and you don't have to be gay tomorrow and it's fine. Like it's, it's okay. Do you know what I mean? So do you guys have any similar experiences or uh, reflections on that? We, we forget how kids are so hyper aware of just our social interactions and how we, we present ourselves, but also how they are presenting themselves to each other. And not exactly in the same breath, Michaela, but at my, my school I was at now, it was incredibly conservative. So I wasn't as vocal about my sexuality as I normally was because I knew there were people in the room that disagreed with it and I didn't want to disrespect them but one of the kids came up to me and she was like oh Miss Watt please may I draw you I was like yeah sure you can um you can draw me she she drew me as a rainbow and she goes you just feel like you could be everywhere to me and that really showed me about how aware they are of how we present ourselves and that they don't have these binary constructs. That's a socialization that they get from what they're hearing. So if they're not hearing those binary constructs, then perhaps they're not even going to have those perceptions. And I think that's where we can come in as both pre-service teachers, but as teachers to help them unpack those thoughts and educate them. I think George spoke about this earlier, but he didn't know about those terms until much later. So why can we not be introducing some of that earlier on and helping them unpack all these little questions they have? Roji, do you have anything you'd like to add? Yeah, on the on, on, on how the learners perceive us and how we carry ourselves. Like um like I said, I'm a Christian and I'm all for just having like my influence as a Christian as a Christian to, to, to the kids and, and many people out in this world. I stepped into the school and I was like, I wanna I wanna have a big influence on these learners, you know. But I knew immediately I can't just go out there and speak about the gospel, you know. And I'm speaking to Christian pre-service teachers out there as well. If you're hearing this, like like sometimes we, we do feel a bit contaminated with how we want to express our beliefs, but we can't because of certain reasons. After my practice, I realized like I actually did nothing. I didn't spread the gospel at all. And then at the end, I could hear, like the kids came to me and they, they wrote me letters. And they told me what the influence I had on them. And all those remarks that they gave to me and my teacher, my mentor teacher, it actually portrays everything that I want to portray, you know, who is Christ, you know. And like sometimes as, as believers, we tend to go out there and say like, this is Jesus. This is what the Bible says. A lot of people don't understand. And, and that can be very, very detrimental to people because that's very, can I use the word oppressive? You're coming from a high position as a teacher and someone that is being looked up to. And coming there, it's almost like indoctrinating. You know, it's indoctrinating. You're not giving that person the right to believe what they, how they understand something. You know, you can only understand something before you believe in it. So as a Christian teacher, I could see at the end of the day, just portraying my love and just portraying this openness as a person could give that learner a sense of comfortability to tell me whatever they wanted to tell me in those letters they wrote to me. The Christian pre-service teachers out there that feel they have this obligation to go out there and just preach the gospel, there will be chances to do that. There will be chances to do to go out there and do that. But you need to understand the context that we always are in. It's not always just speaking. 
You have to be led by the Holy Spirit and on when to do it because His timing is always perfect. And His timing would never allow someone else or a learner to feel discriminated or bad on how they feel and who they are. So, yeah, I just wanted thank to share so that. I, I firstly want to say thank you so much for Roger and Emma for, for having the confidence to speak out and speaking to us about it's. I want to say it's a sensitive topic and it's not talked about a lot and it, it must be talked about. So I really want to thank you guys for taking the time out of your day to talk about this topic and to talk to us on our <laughs> podcast today. <laughs> so that's it for this episode. I think the importance that we learned is to be to be a teacher where the learners feel safe to come to you and to accept them the way they are and open up the spaces. Let, let them talk about it. Let them feel comfortable in your classroom to talk about it. So catch us again next time where we will continue our conversation on this topic. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.